Hello, and welcome to IAOP's podcast series, PulseCast, where we explore topics big and small in a world of collaborative partnerships. Thank you for joining us, and now the host of PulseCast. Hi, I'm Amanda Safdar, IAOP's Managing Director of Global Events and Member Services, and I'm really excited for today's podcast. Let's listen in as we join IOP's newly launched Social Responsibility and Outsourcing Chapter as they discuss how to implement SRO, why it matters, and examples of how it's being implemented in today's largest organizations. Enjoy! IOP's CEO, Debbie Hamill. Debbie, the floor is yours. Thank you, Nicole. Hello, everyone. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're joining from all over the world. And thank you for joining us. We are thrilled to be presenting the first webinar of IOP's Social Responsibility and Outsourcing Chapter. This long-awaited virtual chapter gives us the opportunity to bring together leaders in our industry to provide insight, thought leadership, and share stories of the importance of SRO within their organizations, as well as to share their passion for promoting SRO as a good business practice. It's really my privilege to work with the leadership team of this chapter. These dynamic individuals volunteer their time to develop and present these programs for the benefit of IOP's membership and the industry at large. Special thank you to all of you. And this is just the beginning. The chapter is already working on topics for the next webinar and their presentation at the Outsourcing World Summit in February. You'll hear more about the chapter's plans from our chair and I'll turn this over to him shortly. And if you happen to be in New York, and John, I know you're gonna talk about this too, uh, on the evening of September 4th, please do take time to join me and members of the chapter team as we toast to the official launch of the SRO chapter, which is taking place the evening prior to the Global Impact Sourcing Coalition's annual meeting. You can learn more about the launch event, as well as more about the chapter, IOP's efforts to promote SRO and impact sourcing, the Global Impact Sourcing Coalition, and upcoming events which will showcase these topics by visiting IOP's website. Or better yet, simply email me. I'd love to hear from you, tell you more about what we're doing. We have tremendous turnout for this program today, certainly confirming the importance of this topic. Whether you're an outsourcing buyer or a partner provider, social responsibility and outsourcing is becoming more and more a critical focus in your business and we're here to help. Please join us as we build a community of like-minded professionals for whom SRO, impact sourcing, and making a difference are paramount. Before we move on to the program, I'd like to give a special shout out to the chair of this chapter, John Browning, the driving force behind this amazing leadership team. John is board chair of the Global Mentorship Initiative, an organization I am honored to have joined as a member of the advisory board. And I encourage you all to take some time to learn more about the great work GMI is doing if you get a chance. And thank you all for taking the time to be with us today. John, it's all yours. Thank you, Debbie. Well, hi everyone, I'm, I'm John and uh, the SRO chapter chair as Debbie mentioned. Uh, we're so glad that so many people have signed up for this webinar. Uh, and, and so I want to just take an opportunity to thank you for attending today. Uh, we're hoping that you chose to attend today's session, not just because you wanted to learn about social responsibility and outsourcing, but also because you want to put it into practice in your business. As we have formed this chapter over the past couple of months, it, it's become clear to us that there's a great interest to do more 
uh, to benefit workers in our industry and the communities that they live in. And it's that people like you and me want an opportunity to give back to society and to the industry that's been so good to us. And it's possible to do this while making the most of our business strategy and outcomes. So in other words, SRO can actually help you achieve your desired business results. You'll learn more about this today from the people who put it into practice uh, in some of our industry's largest companies. And as you hear the discussion today, think about how you can get involved in this effort and help to set the trend that we want to see in our industry. The best place to start is by joining others who feel the same way, to, to share best practices, make connections with like-minded people, and help set the agenda in the BPO industry for SRO standards. These are the goals for this chapter, and we want you to be part of it. Today, we want to provide an introduction to the fundamentals of SRO with examples for how both buyers and providers of BPO services can actually make a contribution and help to set the trend in this industry that we want to see. So we're glad to have the folks here from uh, Microsoft, BSR, Sprint, and Alorica, who all drive this strategy for the businesses. And they will introduce themselves and their SRO function during this call. As for me, as Debbie mentioned, uh, I'm the uh, CEO of the Global Mentorship Initiative, and we provide students in high unemployment areas around the world with business mentors to provide guidance, business skills, and even job opportunities when they graduate. And I've been involved in the BPO industry for uh, over 25 years now, in fact. Um, so if you have questions during the webinar, this is how you can ask them by clicking on the Q&A button. We, 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 we may address questions uh, during the sessions, but really all of the questions we're gonna try to address at the very end during the Q&A time. So Kimberly Smith from Microsoft, tell us a little bit more about social responsibility in outsourcing. Thanks, John. Hi, everybody. Um, as John mentioned, I'm uh, Kimberly Smith from Microsoft. I'm the Group Procurement Sourcing Manager and Category Leader for Contact Center Outsourcing here. So what I want to do, go ahead and advance, John. What I'd like to do is lay a strong foundation for this discussion today by providing the definition of Social Responsible Outsourcing, or SRO. And that's really key given the amount of terminology that floats around. We want to make sure that everybody's grounded in this definition. So as you can see here, socially responsible outsourcing is the business practice of buying or providing outsourced goods and or services in a, manager, in a manner which supports and benefits society. It's important to note that SRO is really a subset of corporate social responsibility and really focuses on society in particular. So next slide, John. Okay, so now I'd like to touch on why SRO is so relevant today and share a few key areas of impact. So starting with the individual, human beings have a universal right to fair treatment and living wages. SRO really empowers people and promotes fair treatment across the workforce globally. Moving to communities and economics, when service providers intentionally hire impact workers, it benefits communities, encourages economic development in high unemployment areas around the globe. Shifting to ethics, companies focused on SRO typically establish a social mission and tactics to achieve it. Buyers and suppliers providing workers with healthy work environments and a living wage is an ethical labor practice and an important component of SRO. 
as companies work together on these topics, it promotes industry collaboration and momentum. As an example, here at Microsoft, we set standards for our suppliers and collaborate with them to positively impact their workers, local communities, and business operations. We do this through our supplier code of conduct, which addresses these business practices, human rights, labor, health, and safety, etc. Also, as a part of this, Microsoft looks to drive business to diverse owned businesses, reaching nearly $3 billion in the U.S. alone in FY18, so some huge impact there. From a business standpoint, we know that the global demand for skilled labor is evolving and growing over time. Providing training and skills development needed for disadvantaged workers to be successful long term is key. This benefits workers and helps build capacity to meet future de demands. Uh, as an example, Microsoft has partnered with contact center providers to offer technology training to the community from our contact center sites, training thousands of people over the years. SRO, we believe, is a very strong business practice. The outsourcing industry can realize more sustained profitability and benefit society to a greater degree when it employs SRO strategies. That's just a quick overview and sort of the, the primary categories or buckets of impact that we see. Uh, with that, I will hand over to Sarah Enright. Thank you. Hi, all. Uh, I'm Sarah Enright. I work at BSR, which is, stands for Business for Social Responsibility. And at BSR, we work with a global network of more than 250 companies to develop sustainable business strategies and solutions through consulting, research, and cross-sector collaboration. As part of my role at BSR, I direct a global impact sourcing coalition, which we host as the Secretariat. Uh, the GISC is a network of leading companies that seek to create more inclusive supply chains through impact sourcing. Um, and IAOP uh, is, has been one of our founding members and, and uh, supporters since our launch in 2016. Please uh, turn the page, John. I'll be talking to you a little bit about the benefits of um, social responsibility and outsourcing to uh, uh, communities and employees. Leading companies recognize that their global supply chains can be a key asset or a major risk, both in terms of the business value that supply chains represent and their potential impacts on society and the environment. As such, supply chains are a critical leverage point for companies to scale their positive social and environmental impacts while also mitigating their risks. At BSR, we work with companies and partners to build sourcing strategies and supplier engagement approaches that support decent work and good jobs in supplier communities protect, respect, and uphold human rights, and also that respond to shifts in supply chain dynamics such as automation and the impacts of climate change. Our vision is a future where all supply chains enable inclusion, human rights, and climate resilience. Within this context of a broad vision for sustainable supply chains, and as Kimberly mentioned in her introduction, we'll be focusing the rest of this presentation on the benefits that social responsibility and outsourcing can have for some of a company's most important assets, employees, and the communities a company operates in and sources from. And we, we chose these because we believe the outsourcing industry has the greatest potential to enable positive impact uh, in this area. Flip the slide, please. This socially responsible outsourcing chapter is a community of practitioners who want to advance companies' capabilities to enforce ethical labor practices, as well as to play a more active role in bringing opportunity to underserved places and communities through impact sourcing, supplier diversity programs, and other social investments in the communities a company operates in. Just so that we're clear on terminology, I'll, I'll describe each of these in turn. Ensuring ethical labor practices requires companies and their suppliers to comply with international labor laws 
as the first step, but that's really table stakes, and that's what companies are expected to do at a minimum. Many companies are, are going further uh, to ensure that their own organizations and their suppliers adopt and apply ethical labor practices that respect human rights, such as paying living wages, creating cultures of health and inclusion, and advancing employee engagement and upskilling, particularly in a time of automation. Impact sourcing is um, a, a, a movement, particularly in the BPO industry, where companies are activating their supply chain partners in offering good job opportunities to people who need them the most. Impact sourcing is a business practice where procurement and sourcing teams prioritize and partner with suppliers that intentionally hire and provide career development opportunities to people who otherwise have limited prospects for formal employment. We'll be hearing from Joyce at Alorica in a few minutes about an impact sourcing partnership that Alorica has with, with Intuit. Supplier diversity is another area of, of great impact opportunity. This is where a company sources goods and services from vendors who are, that are owned and operated by socially or economically disadvantaged groups, such as women, veterans, and the LGBT community, LGBTQ community. We may be hearing a little bit of, of, um, about the supplier diversity perspective from Mary uh, in her presentation from First Sprint. Flip phone forward, please, John. Social responsibility in outsourcing offers companies the opportunity to contribute to inclusive economic growth and poverty reduction across their supply chains from any geography that they source from. I like to imagine what kind of transformative impact we might achieve when companies direct their global $300 billion in global outsourcing spend towards social impact and poverty reduction. For instance, with an impact sourcing strategy, a company uh, enables disadvantaged populations such as people living in poverty and, people, um, and persons with disabilities to have access to formal employment and decent work opportunities. Suppliers that make inclusive employment commitments report that new impact worker hires benefit from increases in income of 40 to 200% from their previous roles. And through formal employment, these employees learn transferable skills that serve as a, a springboard for future job opportunities, long-term career advancement, and increased remuneration over time. This allows them to go on to improve their living conditions, acquire a career, and thus lift their, themselves, their families, and their, their communities out of poverty. Likewise, supplier diversity offers greater economic opportunity to diverse populations, contributing to reduced inequality and increased access to business opportunities for all people. In order to achieve these positive social impacts, companies must re-examine their core supply chain practices and orient them toward impact alongside business continuity and value. We look forward to sharing some examples of that um, as we go forward. Now I'll hand over to Mary from Sprint uh, to talk about how a company puts social responsibility and outsourcing into practice. Thanks, Sarah. Hello, everyone. This is Mary Lewis. For five years, I managed Sprint's supply chain sustainability program. And now I lead a team that sources indirect services such as consulting, HR benefits, legal services, and various finance BPO functions. Social responsibility might be interpreted in many ways, but when you put that in context with outsourcing, there's a very clear connection between what customers expect from their suppliers and the type of firms that make up a supplier's customer base. Sprint is a telecommunications carrier, and as such, we don't manufacture anything, nor do we contract to manufacture anything. So pretty much everything we need comes from suppliers. Therefore, the opportunity for Sprint to help drive social responsibility in our supply chain relies on two key strategies. Now, this is not a one-size-fits-all, but these are just two of the strategies that I'm going to highlight today. The first is putting effective sourcing and supplier policies in place, 
And the second strategy is to actually build a diverse supplier base. So I'll touch briefly on the first so that you have a high level understanding behind some of the mechanics that we use to source. And then in the next few slides, I'll do a deeper dive on the second point to share our values, specifically our approach to su supplier diversity. So sustainability, both environmental as well as social, is a journey, not a destination. All of the forces that shape the marketplace are constantly changing. And customers, every customer, every individual is a customer of something. You can help shape that marketplace by understanding the impact of our individual and organizational buying decisions and how we measure that impact. Go ahead and advance to the next slide, please. So what about this responsible sourcing strategies? Sprint provides goods and services to millions of customers as a result of contracting with thousands of suppliers in any given year. In a nutshell, the buying decisions that a customer such as Sprint makes can have a significant upstream impact on suppliers because we're setting our expectations with them, as well as downstream impact on our communities. So therefore, Sprint sets clear expectations for both prospective as well as our existing suppliers. For example, our public website includes Sprint's supplier code of conduct, as well as environmental and social criteria. Suppliers, regardless of their size, are all expected to meet these criteria. We include our policies in every RFP that we issue and in our contract templates. Additionally, supplier diversity is taken into account on every RFP, whether it's including diverse firms in the RFP itself, or whether we ask our suppliers to provide plans for sourcing and utilizing diverse suppliers as subcontractors. So supplier diversity is a term, but it's also an important business practice that promotes economic development by contracting with minority businesses to help level set firms owned by people of color, women, veterans, service disabled veterans, LGBTQ persons, or firms located in historically underutilized business or hub zones with at least 35% of that firm's employees coming from that area, they're all defined as diverse suppliers. Now, what we found is that the diverse supplier base is generally small businesses. So according to SBA, the Small Business Administration, small businesses are the lifeblood of the US economy. They account for 44% of US economic activity and over one third of business owners reported raising compensation just in the last few months. So that's a huge amount of wallop there. Sprint supports, sponsors, or promotes our goal of developing our supplier, uh, diverse supplier base through a myriad of efforts and programs. So I'll just touch on a few. So for example, in addition to our, our public goals, we've got a dedicated team. Uh, that team uh, managed by Joyce Cristiano is responsible for identifying and connecting diverse suppliers with the buyers and decision makers in procurement, as well as the business units. Joyce's team also tracks and reports both internally as well as externally on how we're doing. We've got internal training so that everybody, partners, contractors, suppliers, all understand the who, what, how, why uh, to Sprint's approach on supplier diversity. We also have supplier development programs such as exec executive mentoring and special collaborations designed to help diverse suppliers grow their business. 
So how do we know our supplier diversity efforts are working? So to do that, and I'm on slide 14, to do that, we asked people who would know, our suppliers. So we asked our suppliers key questions concerning job growth, revenue impact, expansion of the products and services, impact to downstream businesses such as subcontractors, and philanthropic support of local communities. I have to say the results are encouraging, and interestingly, they're consistent with the SBA's, the Small Business Administration's studies. So all of the suppliers who responded experienced job expansions for both full-time and part-time positions. Over half of the respondents broadened their products and services as a result of doing business with Sprint. And of those, top-line revenue grew by almost 50%. Even more insightful of the power of supplier diversity was that 67% of the responding diverse suppliers said that their customer base grew. And that was as a, as a direct result of doing business with Sprint. So Sprint helps businesses, they get stronger, they're able to help other customers. So nearly every supplier shared that they're helping others in the community with a wide range of contributions. Those couldn't have happened or they would have been significantly reduced had it not been for doing business with companies such as Sprint. So our interest in supplier diversity isn't just transactional. Some of our diverse suppliers have done business with Sprint for nearly 30 years and they've seen their firms grow and thrive. In some instances, Sprint has outsourced entire business operations to one of our diverse suppliers or with a tier one, which is a direct supplier, that has committed to our requirements for allocating a portion of that business to tier two or indirect uh, suppliers uh, who are diverse. And we've also connected small and diverse businesses with each other, which is really cool to see, especially at a trade show event. So continuing on the SRO journey, again, social responsibility efforts like supplier diversity are not static. It takes more than just having memberships in various chambers of commerce, policies on a website to move the social responsibility needle. So what can customers do? Well, whether on your own or as a company, customers have a significant amount of power. In short, you can influence with your wallet. You could do three things to get the ball rolling. First, figure out what's important to you as well as your firm and put that on your website so that your suppliers, associates, and customers understand your values. Sprint has an annual compliance program that requires 100% participation, and yep, that's from all 28,500 employees who acknowledge and commit to our values and policies, including supplier diversity. Measure your supply base too. For more on that topic, stay tuned for a joint webinar later this year as a joint venture between the voice of the customer chapter and the SRO chapter. So secondly, Create or modify your processes that govern how you source or identify suppliers, as well as procure your goods and services. RFPs should require bidders to share their policies. What we, what we call it is a know and show. More importantly, show how your policies flow, not only to the subcontractors, uh, but how they're adhered downstream as part of governance. And then measure how the suppliers are doing and how you're doing. Third, diversify your supply base and engage those businesses. Set up mentoring programs. Start by suppliers who are in your community. 
partner with area universities to deliver workshops. We see that as a win-win-win. Win for the customer, win for the university, and win for the diverse supplier base. Go to trade shows, make yourself and resources available. And don't forget that as a customer, or excuse me, as a supplier, you're somebody's supplier. So check with your customers to find out their expectations. Partner with your sales team to see if they have RFPs that they have to respond to that include sustainability requirements. Collaborate with your peer procurement organizations and find out what they do. IAOP's Voice of the Customer Virtual Chapter is a great resource to do this. So with this, I'd like to hand it off to Joyce Lee of Alorica, who will share with us how providers have helped evolve socially responsible outsourcing. Thank you, Mary. Hi, everyone. I'm Joyce Lee. I'm Chief Culture Officer here at Alorica. And just in case you weren't sure, I'm the one on the left of the slide. I'm really excited to be a part of today's webinar and to be a member of this new SRO chapter for IOP. It really is an honor to be representing service providers in the BPO industry on an initiative that's becoming more and more important to companies and people all around the world. Plus, it's really near and dear to my heart. For those of, us, for those of you who've never heard of us, we're a global customer service provider, and we serve customers on behalf of some of the world's biggest brands through our 100,000 employees globally. Um, and we do a little bit of everything, voice, chat, email, social media, and back office work for great companies just like yours. And this is a big year for us. Not only are we a member of this inaugural SRO chapter, but Alorica is celebrating its 20th anniversary, and we were recently named VP of the Year by CCW. So now I'd like to spend some time giving you our perspective on SRO as a service provider and the role we play and why it should matter to companies who serve buyers like many of you do. So you just heard from Mary on why SRO matters to buyer, but what's the benefit and impact to service providers? So on the next slide, there's the obvious reasons. Well, first of all, it's the right thing to do. <clears throat> I think everyone can agree that being a responsible corporate citizen and doing more for your people, the community and the environment is really important. Second, buyers like many of you who are clients to service providers like us care about it and wanna work with partners who are moving in the same direction. But why else, and really how much does it matter, and why now? To all the service providers who are on today's call, the additional benefit of getting involved in SRO, or from our end, what we consider our corporate social responsibility, is because it's just good business. And when you're in the people-to-people -people business like us, where your employees are truly your greatest assets, you pay attention to what attracts them, motivates them, and keeps them. It's about ensuring brand loyalty from the inside out right from the beginning. Placing importance on SRO does the following for your business and your company culture. First, recruiting. It's one of the strongest recruiting tools we have. Our agent population, a majority of which are millennials and Gen Z, are more interested in working for mission-focused companies with strong values. I think there was a Workforce.com article a while back that says 82% of Gen Zs consider CSR a major factor when deciding where to work. And that means more than any generation in the past, this workforce cares deeply about what their company cares about. Plus, when you're in a competitive industry like ours, where the work and pay may be similar from company to company, what will really get their attention and be a true differentiator is knowing that your company stands for something and works towards that greater good. So what's more important than attracting good people? Well, retention, keeping good people. 
It's our job as their employer to continually motivate, encourage, support, and inspire our people. We want them to be excited and stay just as excited as that first day. One easy way to achieve this is through CSR. You give them the opportunities to do good, do more, and feel like being a part of something bigger themselves. Give them purpose. Which brings me to my next point. CSR is one way you can define or redefine your company's culture. It's really ironic. I'm the head of culture here at Alorca, but I don't dictate the culture here. I simply provide an environment where our employees create that culture they want. And CSR is just one avenue for this. And even though it's obvious that service providers should care about SRO because buyers care, the underlying benefit is that it also creates stronger alignment with your clients. Because most companies' SRO objectives are closely connected to their mission and business goals. Having these foundational areas in common allows service providers to be more in tune with their clients' needs and deliver higher quality outcomes, all while making the social impact. And I'll share an example of this in a minute. So on the next slide, we, we give our secret sauce. You know, how do you become more socially responsible? The formula is simple, um, and it's creating a culture of connection and empowerment. That's it. And in our case, it's our CSR that actually defined our culture here at Alorca. For us, it stemmed from giving employees the opportunity to take care of each other, their families, and their communities within local Alorica communities. That was the beginning of making lives better with Alorica. And MLBA is a nonprofit that was created in 2015 to support people during crisis situation with things like medical costs and funeral services, food, and help out in natural disasters and more. And also it was about making a social impact on communities by supporting other local nonprofits, libraries and food banks, shelters, orphanages, local causes that mean the most to our people. All of that, all of that through volunteering and monetary donations. So we have local chapters at many of our sites around the world made up of Alork employees who connect with one another to raise money through fundraisers and payroll contributions. Then those local chapter boards, again, made up of Alork employees on all different levels, determine how those funds are granted to people and charities in need. And we're proud to say that 100% of those chapter contributions stay within that local chapter, while Alorica and outside contributors donate all the resources to operate that nonprofit. And the empowerment comes from the autonomy that MLBA chapters get to choose who to give to, how much, and in what way. Alorica employees, and not the company, have the power to run their MLBA chapters at every level, from fundraising, vetting grant applications, issuing funds, and reconciling their own bank accounts. Yep, that's right. They get to sign their own checks to the grantees. And they take their responsibilities very seriously and with so much passion. And not only that, but they have the power to make a direct social impact on the communities they care about, which positively reflects on Alorica and the clients we serve. So on the next slide, we wanted to share a snapshot of what our employees have been able to accomplish through MLBA in just less than four years. They have been able to collect millions of dollars themselves and given out millions in grants and disaster relief funds. And I'd say our CSR really comes from our employees being socially responsible and these results prove it. With these stats, it showed us as a company that not only can employees be fiscally responsible at the grassroots level, but CSR can be an extremely personal, uh, can be extremely personal and provide a purpose in a way that has not been done before.
It can be a powerful tool that attracts talent, drives up retention, and strengthens a culture, all by doing good. So on the next slide, many buyers, like many of you, love it too, and we wanted to share um, what comes out of having this great CSR. It's led to more important opportunities to be socially responsible in partnership with our clients. Um, an example of this is our recent project with Intuit in Bluefield, West Virginia. Intuit has a really strong CSR program, which includes Mission Hope. It's a collaboration between Intuit's customer success team and its contact center partners to intentionally open new offices in economically disadvantaged communities with the goal to create jobs and help revive that local economy. And we were honored to be selected as Intuit's partner for their latest impact sourcing project, bringing hundreds of jobs to Bluefield, West Virginia, and to have the opportunity to expand MLBA there. By providing West Virginians with career opportunities and support through MLBA, the end goal is to help the people there help themselves and their community. And the reason why Intuit chose us? Well, it's because our missions and our values, culture, and view on social responsibility were so closely aligned. For Alorica, it really has been an amazing experience finding ways to deepen the relationship between a company and its employees. And it's more than extending it beyond a paycheck, a nice facility, and a career path. It's about allowing people to be really invested by connecting with them and empowering them through programs like MLBA. It's delivering on that commitment to take care of our employees, whether you're the one who makes the decisions to help or the one receiving help. For us, it's all about family taking care of family, and that's why CSR matters to Alorica and the communities we serve. And the fact that it aligns with our clients' SR goals, well, that's just icing on the cake. And with that, I'll turn it back to you. John, thank you. Great, thank you, Joyce. You, you know, uh, you provide some really great examples for how uh, Alorica is really practicing SRO and in, in different, in different uh, categories as well. And I know there are so many service providers out there who are already doing this, but they may not be branding it as such. And, and I just really encourage them to, to do this and kind of use this example, so. Uh, uh, before we uh, go further, I just want to just remind everybody that uh, now is the time. If you've got a question, uh, type it into uh, the Q&A box, or you can even put it in the chat box as well, and we'll be sure and get to them here. We have a few minutes left, uh, and uh, I just I just want to, uh, uh, first of all, I hope the session so far has been helpful, uh, not just in defining SRO, but but also how it can be used and put into practice. And we really do want you to be part of this initiative. And there's several ways that you can participate. Uh, you know, there's a role for buyers of BPO services. <clears throat> there's a role for providers of services. And there's even a role for consultants in, in our industry as well. Uh, you know, for example, buyers can use the power of their, their, their spending uh, to influence and set standards and requirements for the customers that, for the uh, providers that they do business with. For example, as Kimberly mentioned and, and Mary mentioned how Microsoft and Sprint are uh, you know, basically using uh, the, the power of their spend to, to help their, uh, their providers you know, you know, move in the right direction here. Uh, for providers, it's not only good for business, uh, but it aligns your goals uh, to those of your clients' goals. And we want more buyers to be emphasizing with their providers how important SRO in, in whatever function it's practiced, how important that is to them. Uh, and 
but not only that, and we'll talk about these topics in a future webinar, but it's actually good for meeting business objectives and goals uh, other than selling the product itself. Uh, you know, for example, with impact sourcing, we have found that the attrition rate in the BPO industry for uh, impacts, uh, impact workers is much less on average than it is for traditional BPO workers, whether that be in contact center business, uh, back office work, or any other type of function. Uh, and, and the reason why is because you're giving a worker an opportunity who may not otherwise have an opportunity, and they are automatically more loyal uh, to you as, as a, an employer because of that. They get more, they stay on the job longer and they become more proficient at what they do because they stay on the job longer. And we know that that's a, a, an ongoing concern for the BPO industry is we want workers to stay in their roles to, to develop proficiency. And then uh, as a consultant, it's, it's an opportunity to differentiate yourself from the, the pack of consultants in our industry by introducing SRO concepts and strategies to your clients to help them get started in this process. People are just not talking about this yet, and we're hoping to set that trend. And, and you as a consultant have an opportunity to separate yourself from the pack in that way. So these are, these are just some ideas and ways. Uh, the, uh, and, I, and I see some questions coming in great, and we'll get to those in just a second. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, uh, the, uh, it's ways to, as far as ways to engage and be part of this uh, initiative, First of all, the SRO leadership team is, is drafting a set of guiding principles for how to engage this practice in your work area and why it is good for business. So, so stay connected with this group and uh, further insights and guidance will be pr provided on how to implement SRO in your company. Um, I encourage everyone here uh, to join the SRO LinkedIn group. Uh, and this will be where the BPO industry will connect on SRO. Uh, announcements will be made, and uh, it's where you can, you know, connect with people who who uh, are also interested in doing this process. Uh, and uh, as Debbie said, we're glad to announce the, an in-person SRO chapter meeting in New York City on Wednesday, September 4th. And and this is an opportunity to network with people uh, like you who are who want to put this into practice. So space is limited for this, uh, and you must register to attend. So the SRO website you see there is where you can do this. And, and this is also the, the uh, SRO chapter website. So you can keep up with all activities uh, around this topic. So we have a few minutes for questions. Uh, and and uh, um, just a moment here as we, as we look through them here. So uh, we have a question here. Our goal is aligned uh, with your values, SRO values, and providing jobs to individuals, improving families, However, we're having a hard time on account acquisition since we do not have a U.S. partner. So uh, how can a company like this get established and, and, and look at the and U.S. market for U.S. Uh, partners in BPO and U.S. clients as well? And so this is a, an example coming from the Philippines. So uh, I, I think this is a question uh, that can be addressed from both a buyer side and a provider side. So, so I'll start first, Joyce, with Alorica. Uh, if a company is looking to better market their impact sourcing uh, to a U.S.-based client, uh, you know, the, the clients in the U.S., how would you suggest that? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very similar to the approach that we took with Intuit, where you, you really look at your mission and your values and your, your SRO um, and, and our, your CSR, and you make the, that kind of connection and that alignment. And I think naturally, um, um, it, it kind of just flows from that, where, where if you have that alignment that occurs at that level, I think everything else kind of naturally follows. Uh, of course, I'm sure there's different procurement um, requirements, which I would actually pitch that to probably Mary or Sarah and ask them in regards to how they would approach it from a buyer side. But from a supplier side, it would definitely be having that alignment on the SRO and the CSR um, helps a lot. Okay, maybe we'll uh, uh, ask also Kimberly and, and uh, Mary then to weigh in on, on this topic as in a acquiring interested buyers for impact sourcing companies. And I know both of you are probably approached by companies and you have to determine if they're a good fit for your, uh, for your business. So, so Kimberly, how do you look at, at companies that you see the first time that, that pitch impact sourcing? Yeah, can you hear me okay, John? Yes. Yeah, I would say this is a really great question and, and one that um, I'm sure many have. From our perspective, it really uh, pertains to how a supplier aligns to our, our values, one, which is noted here, but then two, the capability and competency they offer. So whether or not they have a U.S. footprint is probably not particularly relevant. It's more about meeting our needs and aligning to those values. So I would say Microsoft in particular would not require any type of um, sort of U.S. basis necessarily. It's more about that alignment. Okay. And, and uh, Mary, did you want to add something from a uh, perspective at Sprint? I think uh, with Sprint, thanks, John. So I think with Sprint, uh, we're pretty much uh, of the same mindset. Uh, we take a look at not necessarily where a company is, uh, except when they are handling calls that require a U.S. presence. So for example, there are certain suppliers who have to be located in the U.S. if we're providing services to the federal government or certain state governments, for example. Other than that, I think a lot of it has to do with understanding uh, what the capability of the supplier is. So suppliers need to understand what that requirement is from a, from a buy side. And uh, so understanding capability, the, the ability to, to scale, the, how you're differentiated, and then making connections. And that connection could simply be reaching out, whether it's through IAOP, whether it's cold calling. And uh, for call centers, you know, if anybody uh, wants to connect for that, I, I work with the uh, manager who does all the contracts for the call centers, and she uh, coordinates directly with her business unit. So having said that, um, who knows what the future might bring because Sprint is in the middle of a merger with uh, T-Mobile. So stay tuned. <laughs> we, we can't predict the future, but just reach out and try to make those connections and be visible. IAOP is a tremendous, tremendous asset for being able to reach out across the aisle, so to speak, because we've got all three constituent uh, uh, segments as uh, making up the members. So buyers such as, or customers such as Sprint, uh, providers as well as advisors. So I hope that answered the question. Great, great. And, and you know, I just add my own perspective as a, as a former buyer uh, you know, for Microsoft. And, and the, the question came from a, a company that's a smaller in size, uh, four sites. Uh, and, and 
you know, when you're approaching a company in the U.S. to potentially buy the services, think about it. For you, it's going to be all about how you can differentiate yourself in a way that's appealing to that buyer. And this is where we think uh, SRO concepts like impact sourcing or diversity uh, or uh, raising the, the income, uh, the employment standards in local communities. This is where we think these are differentiators. Uh, and that, that gets the attention because otherwise, if you're competing on a level playing field with, with uh, 2,000 other, you know, for example, contact center providers around the world, uh, that's tough. You need to, and, and SRO, we think, is a way to differentiate yourself. Um, and, and so, uh, Sarah, I, there's a question that's come in. I, I want to throw at you first, and then if anybody else wants to, to address it. But, uh, Sarah, this question is, is when selecting to work with a partner, what is the most important data from a CSR perspective? What, what are we looking for? For example, is, is it carbon footprint or the amount of volunteer hours? Uh, and and uh, so we know that uh, uh, environmental uh, the aspects of SRO are not covered in this particular chapter, but please you know, take a t tell us a little bit about what you look for as, as the tracking points. Thanks, John. Um, you know, uh, so, um, BSR ourselves, we don't we don't source a lot of um, of, of work ourselves, but we do uh, track kind of how uh, global companies think about um, reviewing their suppliers and 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 on their sustainability policies. Um, and what I can say is is that uh, there is an uptick in, an uptick in recent years, and, and a, a, we believe that it will continue to grow of um, of interest of buyers in understanding uh, the impacts of their uh, procurement and sourcing spend uh, on the environment and, and social causes. Um, we're not, it, it, every client company is a little bit different in, uh, in what they are looking for from their suppliers and uh, there's a lot of different reporting standards out there. Um, I think it's one of the challenges of this topic is that, um, that suppliers are increasingly expected to report to many different kinds of frameworks. Um, and, uh, you know, there's also a trend of trying to figure out how to consolidate um, uh, the reporting framework so that suppliers are reporting to one set of, uh, of criteria rather than, than many. I think it might be useful to also get um, Mary's perspective on this from Sprint. Uh, what do you look for most when, when a company is, is uh, approaching you um, on their, their social or environmental criteria? Uh, thanks, Sarah. Um, we actually struggled with this challenge several years ago when we were putting a framework in place for our suppliers. And one of the challenges was how do you measure? So you, you really touched on a point that even Sprint as a customer uh, to, uh, or excuse me, a supplier to other customers, we found ourselves having to fill out all of these iterative surveys and things. So I, I guess I would leave with there's no one right answer. And um, there is because as soon as a company tries to address one customer's um, uh, expectation for uh, you know, their carbon footprint, there's another company that says, okay, well, what about your e-waste? And so what we have found important is that a company understands, they need to intrinsically understand not only what they're in the business of doing, but then how they can impact socially and environmentally um, their surroundings. So if it's, whether it's water, whether it's e-waste, whether it's paper, for example, our, our print uh, suppliers, 
uh, they have a downstream impact not only on um, ink, uh, but paper. Uh, and so we partnered with them to figure out how do we take all the, you know, the inserts and things like that and make those more responsible. So it's about opportunities for collaboration. So my, my recommendation would be look at those prospective customer websites, ask what is important and see if you can align. And if you're doing things based on your company's values and having to understand what your potential impact as well as the, your ability to positively affect that impact, um, I think you'll be further along because sure shooting, you're gonna have one company say something's important and if you're going down that road another company can say something different and and i'd hate to see you know the small businesses uh or any a business of any size uh have have any issues so help your customers achieve their goals now and before i turn it back over to john for more questions one of the things i will say is that um, we encountered an issue several years ago when we expected, when Sprint expected its, all of its suppliers uh, to meet our environmental and social criteria, and it was the small and diverse businesses who came back to us and said, can you recommend Sprint a, um, uh, a consultant for us to use? And we just said, you shouldn't have to use a consultant. And so we ended up at our expense partnering with a, a recognized, a, world, a globally recognized um, uh, advisor, uh, we put together a booklet. We made it free, we put it on our website, and uh, it, it was on how to measure your greenhouse gas emissions, and it was how to do a materiality assessment. Those two things will move the needle the farthest in our, in our estimation. And um, if anybody has any questions or needs a courtesy copy and can't find it on our website, I'll be sure to, uh, I'll be happy to, to provide it to you. Great, thanks, Mary. Now we, we've got a question here that's aimed towards buyers, but I'd like to approach it first off a little differently. And Joyce, have you addressed this uh, from a provider perspective? How do providers come up with the criteria and metrics for suppliers as part of SRO? And the reason, Joyce, I want you to address this is if you can talk about when you see RFPs from buyers, what what are those that are tending towards impact sourcing and SRO? Are, are they asking you the right questions or, or you know, what kind of metrics are they asking you for to demonstrate you're, you're socially responsible? Well, it's really interesting because um, it, it, it really runs the whole gamut of, of, of impact sourcing questions, everywhere from carbon footprint to, um, to how much money you're investing or you use vendors who are diverse, who are LGBT, gay, you know, it runs the whole gamut. So it really depends on um, the, the who's asking. And, and we really haven't found a consistent sort of RFP uh, ask yet. So that's what's really fascinating about CSR and, and SRO is it almost is what you want it to be and what's important to your company and what your company values. Um, and so we just went through some exercises actually with Microsoft where it, they asked everything. <laughs> so, so it really just depends on the buyer and what's important to them and what, um, what they're asking and we just try to align to it. And really there is no, no 
carbon copy formula to it. So, so and, and I think that's one of the goals that we were trying to hopefully do through this SRO chapter for IAOP is to create those standards and to create um, something that, you know, buyers and, and, and outsourcers can consistently go to and, and make sure that everybody is has some sort of ethical standard for um, corporate social responsibility. So it's it's really interesting. I think right now we have a great opportunity to create and define that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And Kimberly, you know, as uh, the representative from Microsoft, are there specific questions when you think about needing or, or considering providers that you that are test questions towards social responsibility? Uh, yeah, you know, I kind of agree with the panelists and what they've said so far. It's it, There's a wide variety in some of the questions that we're asking, and I think it depends on the group in particular. But in terms of sort of the broad brush, you know, we look for information about how companies are empowering people, what they're doing to strengthen communities, how are they protecting the planet. And then kind of drilling down, there are things that we require, um, obviously, as a part of all of this. Um, one of the examples that I would give is, uh, a new policy for us is that we require all companies that are suppliers to Microsoft in the U.S. Um, provide a minimum of 12 weeks paid parental leave um, for birth or adoption of a child. So I think there's sort of the strict and hard line criteria. And then there's more um, uh, areas that are uh, broader and allow suppliers to comment on what they're doing in each area. So I think um, much like what the other panelists have said, it, there's a great uh, degree of uh, variety in terms of how we ask these questions. Great. That's great. Now, a couple of questions uh, uh, as well here. And, and so looking at the Q&A pack, uh, uh, regarding, uh, and we'll, we'll try to get to all, all of these here, uh, regarding uh, awarding, uh, you know, business, uh, are there companies that third-party companies that certify that uh, a provider is, is meeting the SRO criteria. And, and I, I would let anybody jump in that can address that. I'm not sure, we're, we're, not, we're certainly not endorsing any third-party companies right now. And, and uh, we're, you know, we're helping to define the, the, uh, what SRO means in the industry. But uh, to anybody on the panel, are there companies out there that you use or worked with that, uh, that help validate this? Hi, John, this is Mary. I think I could take a stab. Um, it, I think the person who's asking the question is really looking for a particular source. And uh, to echo what Sarah said, one of the challenges we're seeing is the harmonization, if you will, or if I do this, you know, that'll satisfy everybody's requirement. What Sprint um, does is we look at uh, our sourcing policies and practices uh, with a lens through uh, individual categories. So for example, how we source our construction suppliers is a little bit different and our expectations for SRO evaluation is different than how we um, might look at say consultants, for example. So it, again, it's not a one size fits all. We've used third parties. Um, we also look a, a lot at a, a, a prospective supplier's website. Uh, we are expecting things to be public. Uh, so whether you're, whether you publish CSR reports, our, our idea is a know and show. 
we need to make sure that we know what you're doing, but that you're showing what you're doing. It's easy to put words together, but then what do you use? So prospective suppliers can actually have third-party assurance, or you can, if, for example, if you file a, a GRI report or something like that. Uh, we, in some cases, may do um, uh, site audits uh, or site visits prior to award. We will do all sorts of, of um, research. So it's not just, hey, let's just go to one source and that will give you everything. Uh, we are using a particular source and, and uh, I think uh, one of the things that we're going to be discussing in the fourth quarter at the Voice of the Customer as well as SRO chapter webinar is how do you know you have a responsible supply chain? And we'll be, we'll be addressing that um, specifically. How do you know and show? So uh, I guess the right answer would be it depends. Um, so if the, if the person's looking for a specific answer or wants to dig in a little further, I wouldn't invite participating in uh, the fourth quarter webinar. Great, great, yes, okay. And, and one, one last question, uh, and this is from a medium-sized uh, domestic customer care company. Uh, that's, uh, you know, then the question is about, you know, companies like theirs are women-owned or minority-owned uh, and want to get some traction with some of the, you know, some of the larger buying companies. And uh, the question is, is, you know, what's the best way to approach that, uh, especially for a company that is uh, domestic in their operations? And, and uh, Kimberly, I, I just, uh, you know, jump in and, and address that. Yeah, no, that's great, John. Thank you. So I would say, you know, we've touched on this a little bit already, but it really goes back to um, that whole alignment of what is the core competency and work that your company provides and how does that align to our business needs. And that's really key in terms of becoming a partner to Microsoft. And then John, I love what you said about the diversification of, of your offering and what differentiates you. That is really the key as, as uh, Microsoft looks at partners is what, what can you bring to the table that's different. And I would say, you know, being a diverse supplier is one, impact sourcing and other things are are obviously keys. Um, and then as well, just the um, skills or the um, competencies that you have that are different than, than some of the other players out there are usually what get noticed. That's great, that's great. And uh, we are almost up at the top of the hour here and I think we've cleared out some of the, all the questions. I just encourage everyone to get involved in this chapter uh, and help to set the trend in our industry that you want to see. And you do that by setting the right examples, by requiring it of your providers, and by offering it as a provider. So thank you so much, and we hope to see some of you.